0: folks, welcome back to the DC Cast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince, and uh, we're going to talk about the DC Comics released on September, what was it, 5th last week? September 5th, Mm -hmm. 2018. Uh, So if you haven't read those comics yet, please pause the podcast, go back and listen. And we're going to start with the four number ones that came out last week, none of which are are specifically DC Universe uh, titles. If you're not reading Vertigo or Jinx World, or Salmon Universe, you can skip ahead in the podcast, but why would you? Because you'd miss our lovable goofs and brilliant insight. So let's start all the, with, goofs. All the goofs. Let's start with my vote for the best issue of the week, Border Town number 1, written by mm-hmm. Eric Esquivel, illustrated by Ramon Villalobos, a friend of the site, Ramon Villalobos. And um, I had a ton of fun with this issue. What did you boys think?
1: I I like this a lot. I love Villarubos so much. I don't remember the first time I saw his Villa art. The, the earliest thing I what did I It's Villarubos, Villa yes. For some reason I've always thought it was Villarubos. That's how bad I am at reading. <laughs> um um but I think the earliest thing I remember from him is that um original sin tie-in series that he did with ryan north the young avengers one do you guys remember that and that was around the same time or pretty soon after i'd been introduced to um to um wow why chris burnham um and you know they're very much like in the same kind of artistic style um but it's great seeing him here now um because i think he's been over at marvel for a while and so i haven't been following him as much um but it, uh, the art here is fantastic vince
2: yeah it it really is there's so many details i i love i love how like detail packed it is that you can find things in the background um and they're not just jokes you know but they're like it, it it it's there's a real depth you know there's there's things there's things that if you're reading this comic book that you see in the background it informs the world and it informs uh the characters beyond just like gags and things like that you know yeah. although there are there are those too there are some some nice uh, easter egg type details in the background but i think the the great thing about border town so far and this extends to the art is is how deep it really is. I mean, there's a very simple pitch for this book and you get the sense that there's a lot more going on here in the background. Uh, This is an ongoing, right? I believe so. Is that right? Oh man, that's great.
0: It shows you the confidence that DC has in this because at least to me, and maybe other outlets got different books, but this was one of two vertigo titles that DC sent like more than a month ahead of publication to start to build the vertigo hype. So to me, that means that vertigo is like firmly behind this book, which is great news because it should be because it's great. Um, This also, my advanced review of this got me some Twitter hate.
2: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, by
0: people who basically think it's gross that there's comics about Mexicans. <laughs> Their words, not mine.
2: Yeah. Um, that's one of the great things about this book too, is, is how timely it feels. Um, I think I mentioned last week, what book, oh, Scarlet, about how, how, uh, quintessentially now that book feels and, and this book just as much so. Um, I think, you know, anyone that has a problem, I mean, first of all, it's probably racist. It's probably one of the kids uh, page one has an anime Nazi guy uh, a mega chud, uh, like a three percenter, uh, don't tread on me guy. And really those are all just the same. It's the same shit. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, to say that you can't make a book like this or shouldn't make a book like this or shouldn't be political or what, I mean, this is this stuff happened apart from the um, supernatural d- demon shit, you know? But like, if you're talking specifically about the, the the extremity of the racism like let's not pretend that we don't see there's a fight in this issue right between essentially a skinhead and and uh somebody who's at least has some amount of of mexican heritage right and uh let's not pretend that we don't see videos you know on a on a weekly basis or a monthly basis of like a white person spitting on a person of color or, you know, yelling something horrible at them, you know? This this shit happens. Why shouldn't there be a a comic about it? And why couldn't there be a supernatural bend to it as long as we're delving into fantasy, you know? Absolutely. So, I, that's, I mean, you don't have to like the comic, but to, like, for it to just exist and for it to offend you like that, it's says more about them than anything else Absolutely.
0: yeah, but this is super fun i um this feels of of all the vertigo books that have been announced so far this feels the least classic vertigo to me like I, this doesn't feel like a book that would have been released not just because of the timely manner but also just the uh the sort of overall bigger picture um feels like it probably wouldn't have been released during one of vertigo's classic periods it feels very much a a more modern comic and i don't mean that in a um in like a uh negative it's gonna it, it's gonna seem dated in a few years it just seems like this type of book just wasn't really happening 10 or 15 or 20 years ago
2: Mm-hmm. yeah i mean i when I think of Vertigo comics, I think mostly of, you know, even though they're not in the DCU, they mostly revolve around characters who could be, who have like a gimmick, you know, um, that have like a, a almost like a superhero connection, you know, when you're talking about classic Vertigo. And and this just feel this and the lineup of books that are, that's coming that this is a part of feel very much like it It felt very much like an image expo when they announced all these
0: that's a good call
2: um um yeah yeah but oh man this was great it's very funny um there's a bane cameo there's a bane cameo there's king mob reference um
1: there were there were a lot of um like dc universe things in that in that uh Oh, where was it? It was towards the end of the issue. Ignore me, but there was like a Dr. Fate helmet. There was like, I think like the Sandman mask. Um, There was like a poster of Constantine and Zatanna. Mm. I'm trying to find it. It was in that... um, I don't know what that store was supposed to be the the La Botan- Botanica. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. There's like
1: an Aztec helmet on that statue yeah, yeah. in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's everything. <laughs> that's
2: awesome. Um, the the final sequence in the issue is basically the Share Zone. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yeah. The, the, the lo- motherfucking <laughs> Share Zone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you admin the uh the lord of the dead yeah he's lord of the dead is basically admin and he says you fucked up except the real admin would would he'd be the one apologizing he'd, I'm sorry I'll try to do better um yeah the, I love the uh the like good natured luchador character yep that just apparently just wears a luchador mask at school um it's an interesting sort of uh, twisty aspect that Francisco, the main character, goes by Frank and is you know trying to hide his ethnicity in some way. That's a, a interesting twist on on the story. There's yeah, there's there's so much to like, and it looks gorgeous. It's just I was engrossed from beginning to end. Basically, I never once like cared what page I was on or or how many more I had left you know it was engrossing
0: yeah absolutely super fun highly recommended uh next up is cover number one written by Brian Michael Bendis illustrated by Monsieur Mack what was the last Bendis Mack book what what was Uh, was David uh, Mack on last it it wasn't with Bendis what was the last thing David Mack did
1: Hmm. I feel like I haven't That's seen a... his
0: art in a long time. That was one of my thoughts on reading it.
1: Good question. I don't I don't know if I can peg that, really. Um He I'm doing a quick search to see if I can find anything.
0: Well, why do you look that up, Vince? What did you think of cover?
2: So this is we, we've established that I'm not a fan of Jinx World or of uh, Brian Bendis's creator own stuff as much. I think this is one I'm going to stick with, though. I'm at least going to read the next issue because um, David Mack's art is very entrancing, and I think you know the the one criticism I made earlier about uh, Bendis's creator own work is is that it's too too much talking heads and i'm not talking about the band stop making sense Vince. uh <laughs> but, uh uh making flippy floppy um <laughs> uh Wait, this is not my beautiful house oh jesus okay you start um, this shit don't oh jesus <laughs> um what was i saying now i see you threw Everybody me off um yeah yeah too many talking heads
0: get it okay
2: (laughs) you're a genius of love (laughs) brian uh yeah but this issue there's a little bit of that but david mack is doing so much in the art to subvert that or to make it something more i'm thinking about when you're seeing the so this is about a comic book creator essentially actually much in the much in the in the vein of David Mack, I would say. I, I mean, it's
1: very much about David komokey. Mack and Bendis together,
2: right? Yeah, yeah. Very that
1: other so. character is pretty much Bendis, I assume, because he he asks him how the uh, Earth Shattering Summer event is going.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, good point. Um, and, and the 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 uh, visual representation of the comic book creation where. You see the artist working, and then it's the the outline is like the art that he's drawing for the story. Right, and you see it. You see it move. It's it's almost like two planes, uh, of a comic working in concert. It, it's re- it was really stunning, and I think he does little tricks like that throughout to make this something more than just a, uh, talking head, wordy dialogue thing, and. You know, the, the premise is kind of corny that this comic book creator is going to be um, drafted by the CIA, by a CIA analyst for something, you know, or whatever it is. It's basically
0: Confessions of a Dangerous Mind as a comic book.
2: Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that is a great call. Wow. Yeah. Yep.
0: I love me some Chuck Barris.
2: Yeah. Yep. Um, not as much as he loved cocaine. Probably though. not. Um, but I found it really entrancing in that way. And I, and I found it legitimately funny too, where like sometimes, sometimes Bendis overdoes it, but I thought like that CIA analyst character was, uh, quippy without really being overdone. I I found it very, it went down very smoothly, but I'm hogging all the airtime. Zach, what did you think? Well, Zach, first of all, did you figure out what the last thing Mac did was?
1: I, I he's done a lot of covers and things. It looks like the last interior work that he did was that Fight Club Two uh, book from Dark Horse. Oh yeah, he he did a few pages in there. Um, he wasn't the primary artist, no, though. I've actually Cameron already Stewart. forgotten Cameron who Stewart. that was. That's right, Cameron Stewart was. But I do believe that Mac did covers and a few, a little bit of interior stuff here and there. Um, but yeah, it's definitely been a long time. But I really liked this a lot. I really really like david mac a lot um and i love how this issue show kind of showcases how diverse and varied his style can be i'm a little sad that we didn't get very much of the kind of mac which is like the kabuki um more like painterly style we get that a little bit in those um the pages of him drawing the, uh, the Ninja sword comic. Um, but the rest kind of reminds me more of, um, you know, the first arc of his and Bendis's daredevil, where it's like the kid who, um, whose dad is a kind of like a small time crook. And it's very, um, very almost like super, way more superhero esque than. Um, do you guys know the arc I'm talking about? Uh, I have not read no. of Daredevil*, so no. Oh, uh, well, it's good. Uh, you should read it, no, or at no, least it was when I read it, <laughs> <laughs> which was like four. I think maybe like four years ago. Um, it's it's more that style a little bit, but I I like this a lot. Um, both, I mean, mostly artistically, but the premise is fun too.
0: Yeah, uh, even though I call it the Confessions of a Dangerous Mind in a comic, I uh, I still thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, Mac is, you know, obviously a super talented, very unique artist, and I think it's best to give him as much carte blanche as you can give. He's not somebody who I think can draw every book because his style is just so, just so its own thing, you know. But so so giving him something like this. Where he can really sink his teeth in and do different styles, and it's it's a it's a visual delight. It's really really fun to look at. Um, now, if, correct me if I'm wrong. I, again, I am totally new to Jinx World. This is the only of the initial only one of the initial four titles that isn't a continuation of something else. Correct? I think so. Yeah. Um, so I, this is definitely a book I will keep reading, and. Um, Yeah, I I thought it was super fun, and, uh, it's funny because I, for some reason, I didn't really read the solicit for this book, and so I knew it was about a comic creator, and so calling it cover, I'm like, oh, okay, like, they're comic books, covers, I get it, but now it's his cover story, it's, he's undercover, oh, I get it now, it's so clever, Brian Bendis, you're so clever, but no, I'm, uh, I'm really enjoying this, and, uh, I would say this was probably my second or third favorite book of the week. Yeah. All right. Let's get over to the dreaming. Number one, the first full issue of a Sandman universe title we are getting written by Simon Spurrier, illustrated by Bill Quist Evely. And, uh, I'm just gonna come out and say this guys. I didn't really care for this book
2: what
1: (laughs) oh my goodness i i i love this this might have been my favorite issue of the week um
2: yeah take it away zach
1: okay i mean it's in a week of just gorgeous like beautiful art i think this was the prettiest book
0: oh i i have no beef with with bilkwis evely's art that's not what this is about
1: no, no, I know. But, like, uh, that just carries so much weight for me. And then I think this, the story is really fun, too. I really like Dora as a character. I thought the bit with her and uh, Balal, Balam, I almost called him Balal, uh, that bit was really great. Um, I think the stuff with Lucian is really cool, um, how he is kind of dealing with... Um, Essentially, what we would like know as like dementia or you know like memory memory loss and that sort of thing, but the, how he's also kind of trying to hold everything together. Um, I I loved all of this. I like this way more than I expected to. Vince, what do you think?
2: Uh, I'm with Zach here. This was, yeah. This was this was probably a top three issue of the week too um much like border town there's all these little details and and story beats that could spin off into their own thing in in a future issue that i'm really excited about there's not like an aspect of this book that i am not interested in and um so you know those like blank face things that like have spilled out into the dream into the dreaming Mm-hmm. and Dor- i love how dora has like adopted one and dressed it up and painted its face and calls it ziggy or whatever and um that's just so play the bo- the book is really playful you know even when she's having sex with the duke of hell it's like <laughs> duke, <laughs> extremely duke, playful duke, duke of hell duke of hell hell hell, hell. duke of hell <laughs> yeah <Okay. laughs> we got it yep <laughs> oh my god you lost me again or and then he like i promise i
0: have to deliver on the goof promise
2: that's true and she trades him all this stuff that she's stolen from the dreams and he gives her this like incredible fruit that he lavishly describes to her and she's just she just like eats it like a beast you know just so funny so good i love the pumpkin head character merv Merv? Merv, yeah. Couldn't think of the name, but yeah. Uh, yeah, and just gorgeous. Man. That Bill Casevoli art. May I make... It so it does it right every time.
0: May I make my case for why I think this is not very good?
2: You is can it, try. Is it, is it because there's a, a really blatant uh, Trump-U.S.-Mexico border wall illusion made at the very end? No, that didn't help, though. Dude! beautiful wall folks sigils hung like you wouldn't believe
0: uh no so okay i i i wanted to like this book i really did to me it suffers from a couple different things first of all it's a little bit of homer simpson's description of what episodes of the itchy and scratchy and poochie show should be when poochie's not there how is it now there's a lot of like so dream huh
2: that's the point,
0: I, I man. Know, but, yeah. but it doesn't make
1: for the comic. Uh, uh, all right, next next okay, case. That's one. Thumbs down. Next next <laughs> next point. That's number one.
0: Number two, I, I agree with Vince that there's a lot of like interesting little bits here that could be spun off into other stories. But the problem is that they weren't, and this issue feels so jam-packed and so overcrowded. With stories that you don't get to spend enough time with any one thing, and so everything seems slight because you don't get nothing's given enough attention.
1: But it's a first issue. I would much rather have a beefy first issue than uh, than a something that's just set up. Well, we'll talk about an issue that's just set up right after this, but um, okay, <laughs> yes, we will. We definitely will. Uh, yeah, but I, perfect comparison.
0: Yeah, I mean, and look, I would. I would 100 times out of 100 rather get this type of issue. I just don't think it's executed very well. I felt like everything was very rushed. I felt like there was a lot of... uh, And I I recognize my hypocrisy here. I feel like one of the things I advocate for a lot is just trusting the reader and throwing them in off the deep end and letting them just sink or swim based on what's on the page. And I agree with that, but I felt like there was a lot of parts here where... If they just slowed down a little bit and told like I'm not saying just tell one of these stories, but there's probably five or six stories crammed into this issue. Tell three of those with a little more breathing room, and I'm totally on board with this issue. It just felt overstuffed and undercooked to me
1: um
2: Well, you're entitled thought, to your incorrect yeah, opinion, definitely, but definitely of use course' words against
1: me. I thought you would be most upset about the Heroes in Crisis crossover. Well, that
0: is frustrating as well, yeah. Sanctuary left and right. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. I feel like... You know what I think? What? I have felt the way that you feel, Brian, about Simon Spurrier books in the past. Mm. Um, and I felt like going into this project... I thought, okay, I just need to get on Cy Spurrier's wavelength and just go along with him for the ride because I know it's gonna kind of be like how you describe. So I don't I don't think your description is incorrect, but I think I'm embracing I'm embracing the fact that we got five or six little bits of a story that we know way too little about and appreciating the mystery that's sure to Spin out of that, you know. and
1: he- Yeah, Brian, let the let the mystery be.
2: <laughs> Think of it as lost. No, or something, you, Brian, whatever whatever trips you're Zach just
0: made a uh, a leftovers reference to me, so I I get it. Oh, okay. Watch that show, Vince. Um,
2: <laughs> All right, yeah, I guess I guess that's your uh, thing now.
0: You should watch that show, Vince. Um, the other thing I was going to say though is what I feel like is the sort of implied problem in the book and and that's nothing that's not spurrier's fault here is that i can't see dream ever being a part of this book mm. because i think that that is firmly in gaiman's hands and so there's not the mystery of when he's going to show back up because i don't think he will until the series is ending and because of the way of modern solicitations and all that, we will know when the series is ending. And so any mystery involved with where is Dream is not going to be really paid off.
1: Well well, you know what I think could happen and very likely could happen? What's that? Is that I mean like it's not that it's not like Dream hasn't been used recently because he has. Yeah. And I could totally see at whatever milestone they want to go for with this book maybe like the 12th issue let's say these things work in like in like uh young animal style seasons we have no like basis for that at all but let's say they do so let's say like we get to issue 12 and this arc kind of wraps up and Gaiman co-writes the finale and Dream shows back up but even so that's not going to be a surprise. Like,
0: I think with a mystery. It's for for, wow. for a mystery to work, you need to have the element of surprise, and
1: I feel like there's are any of there's no way to do that. But that's, but that's just like comics, though. That's just no,
0: not really.
1: I think so. Okay. I mean, like it, any like big two
0: comics. If it wasn't spoiled by the news newsaramas of the world last week, wouldn't the last page of Justice League had really surprised you this week?
1: No, because it's a Scott Snyder book. <laughs>
2: I, I don't think. Do you mean the last page or like the third to last? Whatever, page? Whatever,
1: whatever the one where Starman shows up. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry, I thought you were talking about uh, what you know. The dang the last, twisted. The yeah. dang no, twisted. No, sorry, you're man. right. I, okay, uh, sorry. I, I was thinking okay. that was the last page. You're right.
0: But like Starman, uh, okay, like stuff okay. like that. Like
1: that. Yeah, uh, yeah. That surprise is surprising. Things can
0: happen in comics but, all the time. But,
1: but like, th- but that's saying like, dream showing up in a dreaming book is not ever going to be surprising. Yeah. Uh, I, I disagree
0: with that. But to me, this is just... This is going to be the inherent problem. <laughs> he was
1: in the first issue. Not this one, but the universe issue.
0: But you're, you're missing the point, though. Like, to me... Uh-oh. What? <laughs> what? Say it. Nothing. Let's say it. Come on. No, I'm just laughing. I feel like... I have nothing to say. I feel like the point of the book, The Dreaming, is, the, is uh-huh. you know, what if... Sandman happened today, but no Sandman. You know, like it's just it's. But has a but has. But I has I Man. Man. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so.
2: Yeah, but there's a there, there's a lot of territory there, to mine, and that's what I find there
0: absolutely is. But the book is never going to really be about that. The book is always going to be about reminding you where's Poochie the whole time, and that's. Uh, but that but, go ahead.
2: But that could that could be like the, like what ha... like. Think about how down and out everybody is right now, and how lost they're, you know. The whole book can be about that. It could be. I think there's some really great thematic stuff that could come out of um, Daniel just having up and left, you know, and the the fallout from that. He never had. He never has to come back for the book to be successful at exploring what that means for everyone else.
1: And you know what? I think this book kind of sets up though is like he and maybe I'm like not super well versed in my sandman lore I'm I'm not because I haven't finished the original series so maybe Vince can speak to this but like um I think it's either Lucian or um the raven what's the raven's name yeah, again Matthew is it Matthew yeah one of them mentions like the like the past dreams mm-hmm. I think like I think we could see um like Morpheus show up Mm-hmm. And we have this moment where, like, Morpheus and Daniel have a thing. See, I, just,
0: I don't see any of that happening in this book. Maybe I'm going to be wrong. It just, this just seems to me like there's a big Daniel-shaped hole in the middle of this book. And everyone has to dance but, around oh, it. Oh,
1: there is. Yeah, well, there is, though. I feel like that's the point. But I
0: feel like I don't necessarily want to read a book of people dancing around something. Oh, man. I'm gonna, I'm not going to give up on it. I'm just saying this issue, like I said overstuffed, undercooked, and a bit of uh focus on what's not there as
1: opposed to what is there. Well, the people come for these hot dissenting takes, so yeah. I'll let you have it.
2: Zach, you and I are going to hate the next issue, and Brian's going to completely misread it, and and he's going to come in and be like, oh, man, that second issue was so much better, guys.
0: I we'll have to misread something to like it.
2: <laughs> no, misread... Uh, Zach, in my response to, to the oh, next okay. issue, is what I meant. I think
0: you meant I just can't fucking read a book anymore. I read it upside
2: down.
1: <laughs> I'm like, it's
2: no. We've, we've we've established that Zach's the one that can't yeah. read. I can't read v- Villarubos. Villarubos. Yeah.
1: Villa Robos. yeah. Villa I think you're
2: thinking of Villarubia.
1: Yeah, you are. Maybe that's who I'm thinking of. Did I? Maybe that's yeah, because I did. I was right about Villa Villa Lobos did do the the original sins book but i think i am thinking about villa rubia because that's who did i was thinking of the um what was that book this is a good tangent stuff that ran for like five issues it was like nighthawk or dark, dark hawk hawk or is it dark hawk she could be
2: dark
1: Darkhawk, hawk yes yeah right. by, that was villa right yeah by multiversity yep. alum chad bowers that one that's that's Juan Villarubia, correct yeah that's right Okay, I think yeah. I, I was getting them mixed up in my head, but I am almost positive that it was Villa Lobos who did the original Sins book. I And I wouldn't know. Now but I only to...
2: only one of these men is Mr. Virgo Comics. Yep. <laughs> On Twitter.
1: Yep. Here uh, I'm going to have to check myself Before and you wreck be yourself? ashamed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Well,
0: right. You... you guys talk while, while I... Uh... While you check yourself, Vincent, I will start to talk about... United States vs. Murder, Inc., number one, written by Brian Bendis, illustrated by Michael Ohming. Um So I know we have had discussions in the past about how some of us are more uh, fans of Ohming's art than others, um, but this story is... Uh, I feel like Vince is going to make a joke about how this is my family because I'm Italian and he likes to... Uh, <laughs> He likes to My family yeah, he, he likes to essentially uh turn my life into an episode of the Sopranos whenever he can. <laughs> um, but I thought that this book oh. go ahead. Sorry, Zach.
1: Oh well dang, I okay, I I was right, and it was actually Villa Lobos who did Nighthawk as oh, well. Okay. So I was I was right the entire time. Hmm. Villarubia must have been in my head somewhere for that R, but Yeah. I'm OK. Uh, but anyway, this this issue
0: essentially is 100 percent set up for a story we don't know yet. And I know that this was a book in the past, so it's not like there's nothing mm-hmm. to build up. But I didn't read that book. And uh, and that was United States of Murder, Inc., right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I reviewed the first issue for Multiversity and I don't remember really anything about it other than it was about like a mafia family. And that scene that's at the end of this issue with the skull on the table, there there was a scene like that. That was the only connective tissue that I remember. That
0: is like a standard mafia being made thing.
1: You, you, oh, yeah. you would know. Yeah, I would. You would.
2: Yep. You're Italian. I'm Italian.
0: Because I'm 5 <laughs> Italian from New Jersey. <laughs>
2: I'm trying to hold it in, Brian. Gabagol. (laughs) Gabagol!
1: Oh. You know, I I know on Twitter, um, anybody who follows me has probably seen that I've been playing Dragon Quest XI. I made a joke about a character's accent, and then Vince took it uh, to make a joke at Brian's expense. But then I actually did get to a town of all Brian's. Like... (laughs) What does that even mean? It was just That's the weird. most Italian stereotypes I've ever seen.
2: Was there? Was there like? Uh, were they making the chef kissing fingers? Uh,
1: they might as well have been. Like,
0: <laughs> it's just. I feel like when Zach shows up at my house, I gotta slick my hair back, wear a guinea tee, have like a, a tra- <laughs> tracksuit pants on, have have a cigarette dangling out of my mouth. And, uh, you know, uh, I, like an Italian horn around my neck, a gold horn around my neck with like a framed mm-hmm. picture of the Virgin Mary at every corner of the house.
1: That is how I picture yeah. you. So if you don't live up to okay. my expectations, I will be disappointed. Okay. okay, I'll work on it.
2: And you're you're supposed to have a plate of Gabagool, oh, that's, too. That's so. what I'm saying.
0: That's
1: just, yeah. you know, at like
0: on, on Halloween, some people put like a little table outside their house and a bucket of candy on there. <laughs> at my, outside my door at all times, there's a bucket of Gabagool.
2: <laughs> Just uh, in, in a tub of gravy. Take a handful, kids.
0: <laughs> some zabagnol, Some Zeppeli.
2: Oh, Zeppeli, yes. But anyway, United States
0: versus Murder, what I was starting to say was that this issue is, is all set up for something that is coming. Next issue, obviously, um, this is the opposite of the dreaming to me. But I have to say I, I'm still. Maybe it's his later work. Maybe I'm just becoming more of a fan of his work. But I think that uh, Oming did some really nice stuff here. I like Oming's art here,
1: boys.
2: This is the, uh, oh, go ahead. Go
1: ahead, Zach. go ahead. No, no, no. I've talked too much. Go ahead.
2: This is a case where I can clearly recognize Oming's talent, but. I do not appreciate this as much as the Cave Carson stuff. Because I found the Cave Carson stuff really adventurous and fantastical and playful and I don't not I'm not as big a fan of this of his style of this style being done for what's essentially a crime book or or gangster book.
0: I definitely understand where you're coming from, but I also think it's a little bit yeah. unfair to say that it's not as adventurous when the script he was given is, you know, one tenth as adventurous as a Cave of Cars oh, script.
2: I know. I mean, that's my, isn't that my, that's basically my, uh, my criticism of Bendis's creator own stuff. And not even criticism, um, just preference, I guess. Uh. It's a preference thing. That's that's essentially what I'm okay. saying. You know, I would I prefer to see. I like his art. I want to see it doing, doing crazy or cartoonish, shit, yeah. doing cartoonish, adventurous things, crazy things, giant uh, uh, prince esque space musicians. You know, versus just a gangster story. Yeah. You know, not that there aren't, not that there aren't moments in the issue, that, like when the guy hits the hits the car and his gut spill yeah. out, you know, that's, that's, that's a little something, but just on the whole, it's not, it's not as satisfying to my sensibilities. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I felt kind of the same way about powers. There were moments, you know, of what I've read anyway, which is not a whole lot, but there were moments where he got to stretch, but a lot of it is just a, the delivery of a type of story that I don't necessarily want to see from this kind of art, you know, that's, not his fault and i'm sure he's totally happy doing this i'm sure he's invested in his own work and and likes doing this book it's just that i prefer to see this art in a different style of book um but like i said the issue had moments i'm just not sure like i don't know i'm not a big fan of 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 crime comics in general and the whole like kid assassin thing kind of feels overdone i mean it it, it kind of feels like the gangster version of kick-ass, you know, which I don't know. There's not enough new here to really get me, get me invested on that end either. So I don't know. Zach, what do you think?
1: Um, I, I liked this enough, I guess. Um, I think strangely, I can't say that I like, the work here better than Cave Carson, but I think whereas Cave Carson kind of lost me sometimes, and it's just busyness. Um, this was much more um, straightforward in its layout and everything, and so f- for some weird reason, this that works for me a little bit better for um, Oming's art. I don't I don't know really why. Um, Maybe it's just because I'm more, like, used to his style in this kind of book, used to seeing this from, like, Powers and, and things like that. What was that other book that he did with Bendis, too? He did this, but then I thought he did another one.
0: Uh, I'm not sure. I feel like tonight is the night of you asking Maybe. our questions and looking it up. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Maybe this was it. But um... Bendis
0: did say, by the way, that in the back matter of this book that uh, Powers is coming back next year.
1: Isn't it coming back as... I think I read that it's coming back as uh, OGN instead of as a I series. I believe
0: all of the old Jinx World books after this initial batch of miniseries will all be that way.
1: Okay. Um, that's cool. We need more OGNs. Um, yeah, I mean, this issue didn't do much for me. A, I'm not much of a crime guy. Um, B... Actually, that's all. There's just A. I'm not much of a crime guy.
0: <laughs> I don't read a ton of crime books, but I always enjoy them when I do. You know, it's a genre I probably should delve more into, because I do enjoy it whenever I come across it. But, you know, I didn't necessarily feel like this was the crime kick-ass, like Vince said, but that, that's not a bad comparison. Um, I just felt like... First of all, I, I meant to put this out earlier. The um, I feel like Bendis can't decide how dumb of a gangster this guy is because I, let me find the page there's a page where he's talking okay so he, the the uncle guy is talking to his his niece and he says you don't get to make mistakes you don't get to have a bad day it's either dat or nothing anything else and dale eat you alive like you would think if he's going to just be a dumb gangster, he'd say, Tuh. like you don't get to make mistakes, but it's two. It's clearly two. And he talks normally for three, pa- three panels. And then all of a sudden, every word is "dat" and dare and day. And it's just like, it just jumps back and forth with how dumb of a mobster he is. And I feel like that's just a little bit of lazy writing on Bendis' part in terms of dialogue. It just felt, it felt like it wasn't the same person saying all of that dialogue. Um, and again, Vincent probably think I'm just being nice to my Italian people and I want to Look out for their intelligence, but, you know.
2: Uh, everything you just said sounds like the way you normally talk, so. That there's the truth, boy. <laughs>
0: uh, but, you know, like I said, I, I, there's just not enough here. This is just, this is a pretty a pretty thin. See, to me, this is what I expected all of Bendis's creator and stuff to be. Just very decompressed, uh, not really establishing much beyond a... Uh, you know, just, just the simple sketch of a first issue. Yeah. And I'm glad we've gotten... Well, I mean, I guess now we've had four Jinx World titles. And mm-hmm. I, I will certainly keep reading cover.
2: hmm. That's the one I'm going to stick with.
0: I will probably read the second issue of the other three. But I doubt I'll read the fifth issue of the other three.
1: <laughs> what about you, Zach? Um I think if I had to rank them right now, I would probably say cover, Scarlet, um, Pearl, and then Murder Inc.
2: Oh yeah, I guess I'll keep reading Scarlet too.
0: I think for a bunch of guys who used to routinely make Bendis jokes on this podcast. We've been <laughs> we've been pretty
1: open minded
0: with these books, and I'll say I, I've been we, pretty pleasantly surprised with these books.
1: We've been sufficiently bendis, <laughs> that's for sure.
2: <laughs> I uh, I wouldn't I yeah.
0: Look, Vince, the fact that two of these four titles you said you're going to keep reading.
2: Yeah, S- Scarlet though was the one that I liked from even before. Um so that one that one I expected to like, I guess cover, yeah cover I didn't expect much out of and 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 I liked that, so, so, yeah, that is the surprise to me. The other two don't do anything for me, so that was to be expected, um, I don't know, I guess my sure, okay, mild, mild, mild bendus acceptance here. <laughs> This liking his Superman stuff so far as much as I do is the the bigger well, surprise course, yeah. to me. Yeah, I'm. Uh... And that, and we all know that that's going to go in the toilet sometime <laughs> soon. No, we don't all know that. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm hopeful.
0: Yeah, so am I. All right, well, let's take a break. We'll be back in just a minute with the rest of this week's titles.
1: My name's Matt And I'm Wes
0: And together we host That's The Issue The comic book podcast that gets to know you through the issues that you love
2: Every month, we take a random, tangent-filled look through comic books and pop culture. And along the way, we cover everything from Doink the Clown to Mr. Blobby. Don't ask about the Mr. Blobby. We don't ask about the Mr. Blobby.
1: (laughs) We do also talk about comic books as well.
2: Like the weirdest comic books in your collection or
1: your favourite comic book movies. So join us on the third Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com or wherever podcasts are found. Blobby, blobby, blobby! (laughs) I knew you'd do that well. That's why I put it at the end.
0: And we are back with Adventures of the Super Sons number 2, written by Peter Tomasi, illustrated by Carlo Barberi. And uh, it, it's funny. I remember really liking the first issue of this, and then I sort of totally forgot what happened in it because I've read so many comics in between now and then. But once I saw like, Kid Luthor again, I was like, oh, yeah, this. This is super fun. I like this. And I had a lot of fun with this issue. Uh, this is certainly not quite as uh as high as the super sun series the the sort of original super sun series went in terms of the the interaction between the two i feel like this is more the two of them interacting with other people versus interacting with each other but i still had a lot of fun with this and Barbary's art fits this really well he uh he definitely makes john and damien look young enough that's we've talked about that before how that's the essential ingredient into the success of this book is to make sure that those two characters look sufficiently teenaged. What'd
1: you guys think?
2: Zach, take it away.
1: Um, this was fun. This was fun. Um, There's like a really like, there's a part of me that isn't as excited for this because it's like not, um important i guess you know that like awful capes comic reader in me um this is something that i feel like i could read and trade later and enjoy way more um yeah probably but it's really good i mean it's just it's just as good as um the original series and that's that's kind of the thing this is all just like semantics if this was uh i guess this would be super sons number 18 then I wouldn't think anything about it but because it's a spin-off non-continuity type. I mean it's in continuity but you know what I mean, um mini series thing. I treat it a little bit more flippantly, I guess. But it's a ton of fun.
2: Yeah. Um I agree. It's fun to read this it's fun to read this story alongside what Scott Snyder's doing in justice league right now, mm-hmm. even though they have nothing to do with one another. Um, but you've essentially got <laughs> like a junior version of the Legion of doom with, with some different characters thrown in than, you know, they're not all junior characters of the Legion of doom, traditional Legion of doom characters, but, you know, same concept. It's essentially the same concept. It's like watching uh, Snyder's Justice League play out with the kids, um, and and much lower stakes. You know, that. And I think that that's that's fun. I get a kick out of that. Um, another thing that's fun about it for me, as somebody who's going back and reading all of Detective Comics right now, um, I'm on I'm on about issue number two. 40 of detective or something like that. And so I'm like right in the middle of the fifties and in the 1950s, um, DC comics for some reason was obsessed with creating other versions of characters. I mean, they still are not to this day. Right. But like that feel, it feels like that's kind of where it started. There's a lot of costume changes. There's a lot of, uh, Issues where the cover is like uh but but which is the real Batman, you know, and it's it'll show like two Bruce Wayne's <laughs> and uh or there'll be like um going back in time to that time when Bruce Wayne was actually the first Robin. <laughs> and like <laughs> these these there's there's an issue where it shows that Bruce Wayne was actually the first person to ever wear a Robin costume like in the history when the he world. was younger. Yes, yeah, yeah. And it makes no sense. And I think I think what happens is eventually these these issues from the 40s and 50s end up getting categorized as like earth 2 stories. I'm pretty yes. sure. Um so so really it's not I mean it makes no difference, right? It's just but it's silly and they're doing it a lot in the 50s where like okay, there's an issue in like the 20s, the 220s where it's like uh the robot bat what will they do about the robot Batman who's running wild, and then literally like ten year or ten issues later, there's another robot <laughs> Batman, and it's like you know no one can tell he's a robot like no no citizen can tell he's a robot, but they have to stop him because everyone thinks that Batman's committing crimes now, you know anyway, the reason why I'm talking about this is because this feels so much like. Like, this story arc feels so much like uh, going back to the time when Batman was Batman Jr. And they, like, literally have a issue that's like that, you know? And it makes no sense in the context of today. But it just reminds me that DC has always kind of been this alternate universe, alternate versions of the characters. Ma- like, making a young Legion of Doom to go with the young... Uh, Superman and the Young Batman is just like a classic DC thing to do and it really it the contrast is apparent because those were all, all one issue one-offs essentially that were never referenced or thought about again until Grant Morrison because he references everything but um it's the modern version of that because we're seeing it in like an arc form you know we're right. seeing it in the more decompressed style of the modern era and uh and
0: you haven't even talked about d- how the end of its uh, end of the issue has Superboy Blue and Superboy Red
2: which is just mm-hmm. yeah. brilliant. Just fantastic. Molto bene.
0: Molto bene.
2: Yep, exactly. Oh god. Best thing to come out of Young Animal.
0: Yep. Agreed. All right, well, let's talk about uh, Batman number 54. Written by Tom King, illustrated by Father and Son Duo. Oh
2: wait.
1: They still did the cover. Yeah. Um Which can we say like that cover doesn't look that much no, different. It doesn't. It, like totally it does not break the incredible immersion that has been created by prior issues of tom king's batman
0: (laughs) i also liked how the the font on the cover this is shadows of the past is the same as the shadow of the bat font that was that batman like tertiary series in the 90s just a little just a nice little touch there
1: Mm -hmm. that's all um so what, what do we think about this issue you know what I think about the art in this issue? What? It's like Nick Darrington meets um, um, oh, crap. Who, who? Why am I blanking on uh, this guy's name? He he did like Satellite Sam and all. Howard, that stuff. Howard Chicken. Howard Chicken, yeah, it's Howard Chicken plus Nick Darrington. Yeah, I can see that. I
2: can I can see that.
1: Have you read any past uh, Wagner stuff? Uh, a little bit. I'm familiar with like um, Trinity, and um, did he do Night of the Monster Men as well? The, like the old one of the old. Did he do it? No, he did a Monster Men story, right? Not Night of the Monster Men, but and then I've seen like Grindel too. Yeah, this
0: definitely read visually, like a comic from the early 90s. I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just that his style is is very evocative of that time. And, you know, some of the silliness in here was really a lot of fun. You know, it's always nice to see Condiment King show up. (laughs) um, And, you know, things like that. I just couldn't help, when I was reading this, think how much better this would be if it was written by somebody who understood human emotion as opposed to someone who doesn't understand human emotion in his comics.
2: Um. I was thinking for a second that you were going to have a different opinion on this issue than I did, but you just summed it up better than I ever oh, really? could have. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Talk about it. Um, I mean, you you talk about the human emotion part because you're you're on a roll there. Um, I continue to think that he doesn't know what real humor is or like how, how a real joke is told the stuff with Dick going on and on about crazy quilt Sewing is not only painfully unfunny, but it could be, it could be funny if it were written a little tighter, but that's not the way that a human being makes a joke. Like the, the, the specific, I'm talking about the specific dialogue where, where Dick says like, no, I'm like, Mostly sure, he sounds like an eight-year-old. <laughs> you know, he sounds like that is how an eight-year-old talks.
0: Do you remember on SNL, and of course, you will because you're you and I'm me. Um, I think it was David Koechner. who played Norm Macdonald's brother on Weekend of Update, who just couldn't tell jokes.
2: Yeah, That's yeah, exactly yeah. What
0: he sounded like here.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like there, there's, a, there's, there's, there's a way to write that joke. There's where, no where... cadence to these jokes. Yes, yes. That's well said, like, and, and the, and the way that Batman plays off of it is not yeah, Yeah. Batman is dry. Like he's supposed to be the, the dry foil for Dick who's goofing around with this villain and he's supposed to be serious, but Batman sounds like he doesn't just sound like comedically dry or like overly serious dry. He sounds like an alien. Like he has no idea what Dick is talking about or doing. You know? And responds to it in a way that's not... It doesn't... This is hard to describe, but like... You want your serious guy in the comedic pairing... To play off it in a way that can be completely serious... But it enhances the humor that... Of the of the silly guy, of the dick guy, you
0: want him to be a good straight man.
2: Yeah, and he's not. And even if the point is that he's not a good straight man, it just makes for a really clunky, cadenceless uh, injection of humor. You know, I
0: also feel like King. I thought it was unbearable. King does this weird thing where he throws a reference to like to Batman sixty six when Bruce calls uh, Dick Chum. He says, please, mm-hmm. watch your language, chum. But the panel before that is Dick starting to say, holy, and it's implied he's going to say, holy shit, right? But what did Dick Grayson say all the time on Batman 66? Holy whatever, Batman. Like, if you're going to reference it, go full stop and reference it. this it's, 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 it, He just I, – I don't understand what he's doing in this comic. I, don't, he, I feel like he wants to both um, – he wants to reference the past but, but make you believe that he's never seen the things he's referencing and it's all coming straight out of his brain. Like, I just I don't get it. This book is written so weirdly. Bruce is written like a robot and Dick is obnoxious <laughs> and oh man I, I love the different visual look of this and I even like the concept of this issue.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the structure is great. Yeah, it, it, everything but Everything was fine except the dialogue was totally unbearable. Yeah. Yeah,
0: and I feel like the – and and I'm going to ask the guy who's currently reading Detective Comics right now, like from the beginning, but it seems to me like Dick Grayson's struggling with his parents' death has not been explored that much. Is that correct?
2: You mean in –
0: Like overall, I, I feel like
2: – Like in general? I feel
0: like he's somebody who's relatively well-adjusted desp- – like he's the opposite of Bruce in so many ways – Bruce lets his parents' death define him, whereas I feel like Dick has always used his parents' death to inspire him. And so to see Dick be a little moody and emo here is totally understandable in the position he's in and gives a different view of Dick Grayson. I'm cool with all of that if it wasn't insufferable to read.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because in the golden age of, of Batman and Robin, uh... It's it's all very silly, and so you get the you get the Dick Grayson origin issue essentially, which is actually one of the best. Ba- like if I've read 240 issues of Bat of Detective Comics so far, I'd say that single issue is one of the top five ones I've read. That origin is really nicely told, and and they're doing they do stuff visually that matches up with Bruce's Batman origin in the 40s, at a time where they weren't. Like you think of those stories as very simple, and for the most part they are, but that particular issue is really nicely done and then they they maybe reference it once or twice again in a in a future issue so far uh, to what I've read and it's there's one issue where dick um gets temporary amnesia and forgets how his parents died, and Batman forces him to relive it. <laughs> <laughs> In like, in like a very uh, super dickery type way. Like I, I must make Dick remember the death of his parents. You the know, like he literally, yeah, right. <laughs> um, and th- those are really the only times that it's come up. They, they don't. You're right. They don't get hung up on it too often. But, but in the Golden Age, they, they don't even get too hung up on the death of Batman's parents all that much either. Uh, at this point, that I feel like that's. That's mined for a lot more emotion once we get past the campy stuff and more into the into the darker you know, 70s and 80s, I'm sure. Yeah.
0: Um, Zach, you've been quiet about this issue.
1: Uh, you guys have said a, a lot more um, important and worthwhile things than I have to say about it. Um, it's weird that this is coming from one of the two writers of Grayson. Mm-hmm. And again, I think maybe draws attention to where that series was coming from a little bit more. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, on one hand, I kind of liked this as, I liked this as a follow-up to The Wedding. I liked the stuff dealing with that. I didn't so much care for the stuff about um, like Dick's parents dying and him, you know, being grumpy with Bruce and Bruce being a robot. Um, I like the cucumber sandwiches reference. You know, I'm always down for that. <laughs> um, that's about it. I don't know. Did you see the Blue yeah. Pool rumor
0: today? That they're going to stop calling him Dick Grayson.
1: No, <laughs> I, I saw the the rumor that Ben Percy will not be on Nightwing anymore.
2: Yeah, I saw the I saw the Dick Grayson thing, but like once again, um, Uncle Rich does that thing where he. And he knows he knows what he's doing when he does this, but he acts like it's going to be permanent. Like they are no longer going to refer to him as Dick Grayson. Well, yeah, okay, for probably like six months or something, (laughs) because he's going to get like amnesia and have a new identity or something, and then he will remember he's Dick Grayson someday. (laughs) You know, Um, I think it's just silly to. I don't know. I hate the whole comics news cycle type thing that goes on with that um i think one thing that i kind of get a kick out of it's kind of stupid and it's i don't know it's the it's the one thing tom king consistently does though that i kind of like is that the the gotham knights football game as like the black freighter
0: yeah
2: <laughs> that mo- that moves through all of his dc stories Um, and I, and I like to imagine, I haven't fully formed this idea, but I'm, I'm rolling it around in my head. I'm kind of chewing on it that, you know, how like the theory behind, um, the Black Freighter stuff is that, well, in, uh, in the, in a, in a universe with superheroes, they wouldn't read superhero comics. They would read pirate comics. And I, I want to like somehow roll this around in my, in my soft brain, uh, that, somehow like well you know with superheroes around there's something about football that like is different that you know that works in the same way as the black freighter but i haven't quite figured it out yet um
0: something cte
2: yes yep and uh and and everybody kneels during the (laughs) anthem
0: oh boy all right let's get to deathstroke number 35 the finale of deathstroke versus batman Written by Christopher Priest, illustrated by Carlo Pagulian. Um Zach, I feel like Vincent and I dominated that last conversation, so why
1: don't you talk about this one? Oh man, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like know I've been pretty down on this arc a lot, but am I the only one that just thought this like was just a wet fart of an ending? <sighs>
0: I can't tell if Vince is sighing in agreement or sighing
2: in anger. I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna
1: wait. You get talk, talk it out, talk it out. I just, I don't get what the purpose of this arc was, like at all, because it was to goose the sales number of, of Deathstroke. Yeah, like I mean, I, yeah, there are some like great trademark priest moments. You know, I, I love the bit of. You know, Bruce thinks he has it figured out, and he dresses up as Slade to confront um, Slade's wife, and then he's that wrong. Was amazing! That was, was okay. Fantastic. That was that was the best moment of the issue. But like, still, the entire premise of this issue, other than I do, I do like the beats about like at, as like a a story about fathers and sons and Slade's like awful history with his sons and really I guess Bruce's awful history with like his sons it's kind of nice but or not nice but but very nice very nice um I just like don't understand the purpose of this story I don't feel like it really did anything and I felt like it was extremely cheapened by the fact that we actually do see the DNA test at the end um because it's like obviously Damien is Bruce's son <laughs> obviously um, I do like I you don't watch get, enough
2: like, you don't watch enough Spanish telenovelas
1: well I know but this isn't a Spanish telenovela <laughs> again again looking for mystery where I expect to have mystery that's not one mystery that I expect to, to be cropping up that's a, a mystery I didn't need um, but like Oh, what was I gonna say? I I have to give like a little bit of credit for like clearing up why this story has to place take place when it does with the Tim with Tim with the Tim thing. But even then, like I don't know. I I just I this was not the ending that would justify the preceding five issues for me. Vince.
2: I loved this. (laughs) I ate it. I ate it all up from beginning to end this issue. I've had some misgivings about this arc so far. I think on the whole, I've liked it as we go along, but I think there were times I, I I felt like you Zach where I said, "Ah, I don't know why we're doing this. And this isn't as good as the stuff that came before this issue kind of made the whole thing for me because from beginning to end if when we talk about like Tom King and not being sure what kind of tone he's going for or whether like from his Batman work, you can't tell whether he's in on the joke or not, even though like very clearly there's a lot of ridiculous stuff in his he, he writes a very ridiculous comic as if he as if he's not in on the joke, whereas I feel like this issue just embraces every goofy soap opera y um over-the-top thing about a Batman and, and Deathstroke crossover. And Christopher Priest has his tongue-in-cheek the whole time. From the, the Rocky versus Creed punch in the very beginning to to literally letting the, the viewer in on the test results in the fire on the very last page. Just a masterstroke of, like, um, silly soap opera, comics as soap opera. And I don't want all my comics to be like that, but I think Priest is so good at it that I kind of want all my Christopher Priest comics to be like that. See, Um, I
0: I definitely lean more towards Vince than Zach here. To me, the piece de resistance was Talia being like reverse your uh reverse your (laughs) your vest vest. and uh and pump me full of baby because we could have the ultimate (laughs) evil baby like i love that i love that it's perfect
1: (laughs) with that i okay i can i can give some grace for that reading i did definitely did not have that reading i wasn't in that mind space um It's still not really what I want from my Priest uh, Deathstroke book, but. Again, I, I will concede that that is at least an interesting reading of it.
0: Yeah, I just took this as just like the most over the top. Like, that's, to me, that's been sort of the fun of this arc is that Deathstroke has been so many different books under Priest. Like, every arc or two totally resets the tone for the series. You know, Defiance was completely different than what came before it. This is completely different than Defiance. And I just, I like that they're almost like little genre exercises within the Deathstroke book. And Slade is not the character you think would be most effective for doing something like that. You don't think of him as a versatile enough character to be able to have a redemption story. And a gun control story. And, you know, to borrow Vince's term, a telenovela story and all that under one roof. But Priest does that because he's Christopher fucking Priest and he's so good.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, any notes on Carlo Paglias' art?
2: Oh, yeah. I I, I think, you know we've we've praised it before i i think it's just as good as ever i think the i think the fight scene in the very beginning is a lot of fun um again very over the top and and yeah i love it
0: i do want to note that if you took Paggy lions bat ears and mixed them with kelly jones's bat ears and then divided by 2 you would get average <laughs> size bat ears <laughs> So anyway, that's that. Um Green Arrow number forty four is next, written by the Bensons, illustrated by Javi
1: Fernandez. Uh, Zach, you read this book last. Um, if by reading you mean skimmed it a bit, then yeah, I did do that la I did it last. Yeah. So um Um The art is good. The art's still real good. Um I don't know. I don't really have a lot to say <laughs> about this one.
0: I will say this. So um I definitely think that the Bensons are not the my top choice for writing this book. Yeah, I know I think Vince was most excited about their um their assignment to this book because he sort of praised the street level stuff of background the birds of the birds of prey and how this could sort of go off that and this is not bad this is this is fine um but that said i feel like the one thing they did really well on this issue was you know when when citizen is going to bring out something about oliver queen's past i thought there would be any number of ridiculous things that they would go for that might be a more comic booky uh secret from the past but I feel like rich kids probably do fuck up in their cars all the time and their dads probably do get them out of it and I felt that was a very true to the character thing from his past that doesn't feel like it's this gaping like sometimes when when a a past mystery is revealed in a long time superhero comic it feels like it would have totally changed the character, if it had really happened, and you could tell it's it's a retcon of some sort. this feels like an event that could have happened in Ali's life that he wouldn't have really thought about ever after it happened, and that's what makes it a believable piece of the uh of his backstory. Does that make sense
2: and it feels like just the exact type of affluenza thing that would happen to him yeah. um yeah, yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that's good.
0: Other than that, the art's good. I have nothing really else to say about the book,
2: Vince. Um, yeah, I, I think I think you pretty much said it all. I mean, I I'm getting more or less exactly what I expected out out of a Green Arrow book written by the Bensons, and I, I think I can fairly say that it's solid but not spectacular. And I think that that's, you know, um, you could have done a lot worse with Ollie uh, after Ben Percy left, and, you know, recent uh, New 52 and prior shows that that is easily the case. So <laughs> I'm I'm happy with the book that we're getting.
0: Yeah. I had this sort of random Green Arrow thought yesterday when I was reading this book. Do you think we will ever see Connor Hawk again?
1: Yes. Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: Do you think we'll see him in the next two years? Yes. Interesting. I don't know about that.
2: Okay. Oh, oh if, let, if, let's let's do one of our classic D C three bets.
1: So I have like a very clear stipulation on like whether or not we'll see him okay. again. I think if Roy dies in Heroes in Crisis, we will see Connor Hawk within the next two years.
0: Interesting. Interesting. All right, Vince, what are our classic betting terms here?
2: Well, I, essentially somebody has to pick beyond two years in the next year or in between one and two years.
0: All right, I'll, take, um, I'll take in the next year.
2: Oh well, you well. I expected you to be like the beyond two years guy. That's what it sounded like you were going to be. No,
0: I, I was thinking. like, The reason I thought of this was I, I just I feel like that's a character that all the other versions of Connor Hawks throughout DC Comics have popped up in the last couple of years. Like I'm not saying Connor Hawk in particular. I'm just saying like that that type of hero from that basic era. We've seen so many of those people show up lately.
2: You know? <sighs> okay. Zach, then I assume you want the between one and two years.
1: Well, I thought Brian said within one no, year, right? Within two, years. within two years. Oh, so, okay. so you're going to you're going to take within one year then? Oh, gosh, no, I don't know about that. Now, I would say more than two years then.
2: OK, I guess I'll take the soonest one. then.
1: I, I said I said, I what said is within it? a year. I thought you said within
2: two years. God damn it. You just told you my, just told okay, my, okay. my so, initial, so we can have
1: we can have okay, so, so
0: my, we I'm can sorry, have Zach, My initial thing was will we see him within two years? I took will we see him with I took we'll we see him within a year. I misunderstood your question. My apologies. I took the most recent
1: one. So So Brian is zero to yes. one. Yeah. Zach, you then... wanna
2: be I'll give you the option. You wanna be between one and two or greater than two?
1: I will do between one and two. All right.
2: I, I even though I believe he'll be here sooner, I will have to take greater than two. Then,
0: okay. and I, pres- I presume this is our standard ten thousand dollar bet. Okay. Yes.
2: <laughs> no, uh, one giant penny, oh, yes. you guys. Oh, sometimes <laughs> pennies aren't always small. Yeah, they're not. <laughs> and then, and then Batman cries for some reason. <laughs>
0: I think you would enjoy Tom King's Batman more if you just put an R in the middle of the word, and it was Tom King's Bartman. And this is just (laughs) a uh, an extended
1: Simpsons goof,
2: just like Bart Kira. Exactly the the Simpsons Akira crossovers. Yeah, you're probably you mean like
1: you mean like Bort?
2: (laughs) Bort, Yes, like Bort. Exactly.
1: Also named Bort.
0: All right, let's get to it, guys. The issue of the week Green Lantern is number 54. <laughs> I didn't even uh, crack this open. <laughs> oh, then you're missing out on some shit comic. Written by Dan Jorgens. <laughs> illustrated by. Who illustrated this? Uh, Marco, Marco Santucci, Santucci. Santucci? yeah. Yep. Uh,
2: Santucci.
0: The Tooch himself.
2: Tucci. Uh, oh,
0: yeah. The Tucci. Oh, yes.
2: I'm the Tooch. Stanley Tucci. Yes,
0: this is illustrated by Stanley Tucci. um so zach you missed cyborg superman showing up here oh man i didn't expect that at all i guess i'll have to go back and read it now yeah you missed a lot i mean it's like the most ham-fisted dialogue that's ever been written essentially the reason that simon's ring has been so fucked up is he was wearing the phantom ring and didn't know it like on the same
1: hand as his other ring Wait, you mean like the the Frank Leminsky Phantom yes. Ring? <laughs> Where's Frank Leminsky? Yeah. Wait Is he finale, cyborg my... Superman now? No. <laughs> <laughs> probably he's the third cyborg yeah, Superman, yeah. probably. He's oh, probably man. not one of the other two. The three freaking twisted <laughs> cyborg Superman? <laughs> You got oh,
2: you guys know that in Grant Morrison's The Green Lantern, he's gonna bring back Frank Leminski and use him, and it's gonna be he's gonna be like our favorite character. Then I hope so. He's gonna it's gonna unironically be the best thing to happen to DC Comics in ten
0: From years. Your lips to Grant's ears.
1: <laughs> so so, I mean, I don't want to spend more than like. Any amount of time talking about this issue because I do see that. Oh man, Simon's got a gun again. Simon's, um, got, a Simon's gun. got a gun. How does he have the ring on and not know it? Pink is my favorite color.
0: Walk this way. <laughs> Living on the edge. What? Living in the yeah, fridge. All right, we're done. <laughs> we're done. All right. all um, right. Yeah, Zach, the ant- what, was, what was your question, Zach? His question was, how could he be wearing a ring and not know it?
2: Oh, there is a really convoluted explanation for how that happened. <sighs> Did, correct me if I'm wrong, Brian. Didn't Cyborg Superman... So, Cyborg Superman is trapped, he right? He's
0: trapped in the, in the pre-Man of Steel Fortress of Solitude, yes.
2: Yeah, and yet somehow he, like, burrowed his... He burrowed his way digitally somehow into into making Simon wear the ring somehow. Yes. Right? Yes.
0: And then it says here, you know, um, I control your ring. Better yet, you have no idea you're wearing this. A second ring. The Phantom Ring. Invisible and undetectable in every way. Was that ever a part of the Phantom Ring that the user couldn't detect it? No, I didn't think so.
2: (laughs) It does. None of this matters.
0: No, this is this is so clearly just Jurgens like emptying out the junk drawer in his mind, (laughs) just shaking out all the cyborg Superman (laughs) shit on top of all the Green Lantern shit and making a a useless arc out of it.
2: None of the editors are reading it. No one's reading this.
0: Yeah, please. Sure, Dan. Should damn whatever
1: <laughs> That's Bernie again. <laughs> Fuck, I've lost my Dadio. Crikey, I've lost my Dadio. Do you think do you think Dan and Dan get together for just Dan time every once in a while? They call it a Dan Jam. It's the Dan Jam. Dan Dan the, jam, Dan Jam.
2: The Dan C2. Oh
1: my god. Dan
2: comics yeah. 2. <laughs> oh Brian, that oh god. <laughs> you lost your to Dio. Oh, god! I need a smoke
1: and a pancake after that.
0: <laughs> yeah, this comic <this> <sighs> is utter trash. Um, just really, really bad.
1: <laughs> Whatever, Dan. Just don't
2: release those pictures yeah. of me. <laughs> Please. My family will disown me.
0: Yeah. So. All right. Here's a question for the group. Did anybody read Harley Quinn? I did. I did not tell us about events written by... Sam Humphreys illustrated by who did this week's Um,
1: Allison Borges.
2: Yes. Zach, you didn't read this either.
1: Mm -mm -mm -mm. Well, I aboard. aboard. No, I I did not.
2: I know you guys won't. And I shouldn't even say this. But I think you should go back and read it. (laughs) It's kind of fun. I mean, I should eat vegetables um... and
1: exercise. I don't. Why am I going to read this?
2: (laughs) Well, this is not good for you. It's not. It's not good for you. Don't, don't get me wrong um, this
1: does look more readable than the last few issues have it is it,
2: it it is it's very much so and it's a lot of fun it's so Lord deathman right yeah mm-hmm. Lord deathman is like this silly manga character in this issue he even does like a peace sign smiley thing at the at the reader at one point point. and basically what the issue amounts to is, Harley killing Lord Deathman in a variety of ways uh that he like at first he pretends to be like ah oh, foiled again you know but then like the longer it goes on you realize he's deriving like pleasure from it to the point where at the end like or towards the end Harley kills him in the most ridiculous fashion like Dropping him into a volcano, like after after inflicting all this pain on him, dropping him into a volcano and like incinerating him, and you you basically find out that Lord Deathman is like madly girlishly in love with Harley Quinn <laughs> for the the pain she inflicts on him, and even me describing it kind of makes it sound like it's nauseating, but it's really it's really funny. It's mm-hmm. it's <laughs> Sam Humphreys really pulls it off. And then, if that's not enough, the final page has a very fun teaser for the next issue or two um, that i'm that I'm really uh, actually eager to see. So it's Johnny d.C. is back, basically. Um, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. okay. All right, I'll get, get fuck yeah, me then.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'll I'll read this never, so that's cool. Um, <laughs> all right, let's talk about Justice League. Number seven, written by Scott Snyder, illustrated by Jim Chung. The return of Jim Chung, the triumphant return. Uh so I have a I have a note about the Jim Lee variant cover to this. Is is yep. this just the last page from Justice
1: League number one with red trunks on him now? I, it looked Wait. really familiar to me, and I couldn't place it, but that might be Remember it. Remember that
0: page where it's like he bursts through the wall after kind of kicking Batman's ass and says, like, you know, I'm Superman. What's up? <laughs> or whatever he says that's dumb.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's to be you yeah, right now. It should
2: be you. Exactly.
1: It looks really familiar. Yeah. I know it's not really. I that mean, page, I mean, but... if it's
2: not if if it's not that page, Jim Lee traced his own art to well,
1: make it. Well, if it's not from there, it could just as easily maybe be from. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Anyway, um, I'm going to start off with something that's going to sound uh, like a, a negative, and I guess it, it is a slight negative. I don't think this is Jim Chung's best work. I like Jim Chung a lot, but I don't think this is his best his best Justice League issue. And it was on, on then too, but um I just thought this was uh to be fair, there's a lot of ground to cover here. You have to be able to do a whole lot here. And it was good, but it it was not quite I guess what I was expecting from Jim Chung's return to the book. That said, there is so much fun shit in this book. Uh the return of uh the worst star man, but still, uh, still better than not a star man. Um, a satisfying conclusion to the arc that doesn't feel rushed or cheap. Some fun, like there's an Animal Man cameo, and uh, mm-hmm. Adam Strange, you know, around the Hall of Justice. This is this is everything I want from this book. There's a really nice moment between between John Stewart and John Jones. Um, yeah, I dig. What'd you guys think?
1: Um, I thought that I, you know, not to, and be contrarian to your opinions, because I actually, I think that's a fair take. I really like Jim Chung's art here in this issue a lot. Um, not that you didn't, I'm not saying, I know that you're saying compared to like the first issue and others. Um, yeah, I, I really, I really liked it a lot though. Still. Um, I think it maybe highlighted some of Chung's maybe more like glaring issues that I tend to overlook anyway just because I love his art so much. Um mostly in like faces yeah. and things. Yeah. Um but I just I just like his style so much. Um that I I there are just so many pages in this that I love. Um I'm a little disappointed just slightly that all the characters kind of go back to status quo again. I was kind of hoping, you know, we had talked about earlier issues, um, how fun like electric blue Superman is (laughs) and Mm -hmm. how, you know, I wanted um, John to kind of stay ultraviolet for a while. And it would have been cool if hot girl still had funky wings. And um, it'd be even cool if like using the still force had, had changed the flash to some, i i think it would be really fun for maybe a few more issues to play around with this kind of like alternate power justice league i
0: don't disagree with that i just i think that unfortunately that's less and less likely as time goes on that we're gonna get more comics
1: like that right yeah yeah i agree and so that's just like a slight disappointment that's more just like state of the industry stuff than a, an actual complaint i can throw at the book because the like snyder and chung do great things with those concepts in this issue so um yeah man that dang twisted man who laughs though
0: <laughs> vince what's say you
2: um I, I i agree with basically everything you guys said from the art to the story and and i don't have much more to say um I continue to be really happy that John Stewart is in this role, though. You know, that's one thing that you know whether whether he's a Ultraviolet Lantern or a Green Lantern or whatever. I'm just glad he's in this story because, um, you know, John's my favorite. Uh, he was my Lantern growing up you know, with the animated series and stuff, and uh, I there there's been nothing interesting done with him. I think since maybe Tomasi's uh green lantern core run. And even then that was kind of, there wasn't a lot of it, you know, I feel like giving him a prominent role on a justice league team is so refreshing to me. It's, it's, it's what I want. So I continue to really be appreciative of that. Um, and, uh, fuck the Batman who laughs. <laughs>, <laughs>
1: um, can we talk about Starman for a second? Yeah, we can spend the rest of the show talking about Starman, that's fine.
2: There's a Starman waiting in the sky. He'd like to come and meet us. But I think he blew your mind, did, Brian.
0: No, um so the Will Payton Starman is not my favorite Starman, but that's fine. But I think it's, first of all, it's such a Snyder thing to bring this character back and have him say that three of the characters must die. That's just like, that's <laughs> yeah. such a Scott Snyder thing. And obviously it's not going to happen, but it's awesome. Um, but...
1: Oh, what? my goodness. Well, I I was just looking up, like, Starman uh-huh. stuff, and I had totally forgotten this, but uh, Will Payne's Starman was in Dark Knight's Metal Number 1. Yeah, he was.
2: Yeah, he was like on a portrait or something, yeah, was, right? Or, or, was, or, yeah. He
1: hanging on the wall. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Man. Continue. But, you
0: know, th- that, uh, the Will Payton Starman, if you guys recall, is so weirdly retconned in James Robinson Starman. Where, like, uh, the, <laughs> essentially, the, the energy, like the, essentially, Will Payton is, like, struck with this, like, bolt of lightning that turns him into Starman. And that bolt of lightning is the uh, like the essence of Prince Gavin, who was also a Starman, and so like <laughs> they like merge together essentially. Um, it's very very weird, but I think it's I, I think it's it's a it's such a, such a great Snyder thing to bring back a Starman, and he he kind of dropped that there's you know there's plans for Ted, for Ted Knight, God bless you ted knight in uh in the justice society whenever that happens and so that's exciting too even though ted knight got an amazing send-off in the 90s starman series and i kind of wish they would leave him dead for that reason um any particular thoughts on will payton
2: no i think i agree with you there too. pretty much echo what you say
1: I'm I'm excited about it because he's the star man. I'm the least familiar with, okay, and he's the one that I feel like has been used more sparingly. Um, obviously, you know, like Jack Knight hasn't been used in forever, and like for obvious reasons. Um, but he was also like the star of that series, right. um, and then you know more prominently in the uh, like last decade the future star man, star boy from the Legion was used a lot. He was kind of like the star man character from that era. Um, and also um, the other, the M- Michael Thomas star man. So they've kind of like had their time to shine more recently. Um, and those are ones that are like more tied to, um, you know, more mo- like modern writers um, in my mind, at least like, so it's not it, it's cool that Snyder is kind of like picking this as his star man to use here. Yeah.
0: It's also the star man that comes probably with the least amount of baggage. Mm-hmm. So although according to Wikipedia, in the two thousand and eight Jonah Hex series, there was a star man of New York of the Old West named Victor Sono who was like considered part of the Starman mythos somehow. Interesting. There you go. All right. Well, let's talk about Nightwing number 48, written by Benjamin Percy and illustrated by – I'm going to butcher this name. I am sorry in advance. Um, Where is it? Where are my notes?
2: MNK Nahopan. Yeah, there
0: we go. Thank you. Where are my notes for this issue? Did you not make them because you read no, it last? No, I, I like added it someplace. Like... <laughs> no. It's not, it's not...
2: You, guys, you guys are throwing last book shade at one another.
0: It's not a dust shade. I, just, I can't find where, where I wrote them in my document here. Anyway, yes. Uh, so let me just – I don't have too much to say about this issue. This sounds like something I would love, like Dick Grayson in an intergalactic motorcycle race. That's like wacky racers and all that sort of fun stuff. But I just couldn't get too excited about this issue.
2: It was a lot of fun, but extremely slight. Yeah, and and so, but like, and like, in the most extreme use of the term "slight," I think. um, I mean, half of it was essentially a the race, kind of, and not not all that interesting, not all that deep. I do think the idea that Nightwing has to essentially hack this all-knowing, like, uh, techno. Nat- natural monument mountain thing <laughs> for information is really interesting um yeah it's fun it's it's a fun idea i think i don't know the art's okay it doesn't ca- this is this is one of the um this is one of the the dc uh what was it called
0: new writer workshop or, or yeah that... i believe it was one of
2: the yeah, workshop artists,
1: artists. Workshops,
2: yeah yeah I think the art's okay, but I don't think it conveys all that much um, action.
1: There, There is one page that I, like, really adore. Um, I'm not sure which page it is in the PDF because I'm on Comixology right now. But it's the one where, um, like, after Dick walks out of the bar and he, like, throws his, um, his sticks at those two – or at those, like, guys out in the alleyway and he throws them and they ricochet off. And then in the bottom left panel, he catches them and the trajectories match up with how they land. In the yeah. Stands. That is a cool page. Yeah, I agree. Nice call Zach. Um, but otherwise I feel like, I feel like the double page spreads are pretty uh, well utilized. Um, This is a pretty wide-screen event, I guess, this motorcycle race. Um,
0: See, I just wish that the race itself
1: was given more
0: silliness and extreme weirdness. Like, you could do such crazy weird stuff with these various aliens and whatever in the race. And it's just mm -hmm. sort of treated a little bit
1: straight. Yeah, yeah. It almost would have been, like, more fun if the issue had... um, just started with the race um yeah the first half of the issue is definitely a little slow yeah and then silencer is here for synergy
0: has silencer shown up in another book or just this one
2: um, she, she's shown up in silencer. I know that. <laughs> uh, and me without a drum
0: to do a wrench shot. So, all right, let's talk about the curse of brimstone. Number six written by Justin Jordan, illustrated by Dennis Cowan. I have one really, really weird note about this. And then I'm not going to talk about this issue anymore. Um, cowan draws both like brimstone and his sister like they're also children so it's very hard to tell who is who in this issue
1: because everybody looks to be about 12 years old i thought you were going to say that cowan draws these characters like philip tan does uh no but that's pretty
0: true also um and the one guy the guy with like the black turtleneck is bob Geldof.
2: <laughs> that's sure. All, that's all I got. What do you guys have to say about this? Yeah. Zach, did you read it? No. It, this is another really slight story. It's just a Slender Man retelling where these kids are all possessed, and it's not much more than that, you know. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I'm 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 sorry, but I feel like this story has been told. A million times before. Would you say it? Would, I, and I don't really
0: tell s- time.
2: A song as old as rhyme.
0: The curse of brimstone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, you sound just like Angela Lansbury. I
0: uh, have been working my whole life for that, so thank you. All right. That, <laughs> anything else to say about this, or we're good? No, no, we're good. The Unexpected, number four.
2: Is this the last is this, issue we're talking I about? so, right?
0: This, yeah, this is the last one. Uh, you know, guest starring both uh, Huntress and uh, The Signal, written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by Carrie Nord and um, Evel Gache. I'm going to say. That's a total guess on that. And Scott Hanna. Lot of lot of cooks in the kitchen for this issue visually. Um, Vince, why don't you start us off with this one?
2: Um, this this book continues to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I don't really I don't really have much new to say about it. I, I I'm impressed with the way that uh, Steve Orlando continues to be able to use bits and pieces of the DCU. That, I mean, some of them are being used. Like Hawkman shows up at the very end, um, and Hawkman's playing a pretty prominent role in the DCU right now. And
0: the Signal, um,
2: too. Yeah, although the, although since the Signal's uh, mini series ended, which was a few months ago, we haven't really seen well, he him. Was just, There's he no wasn't
0: detective. The last arc, the Black Lightning arc.
2: Oh, I I guess he was. Yeah, was. Yeah, I don't. I don't really even remember what he did in that. It seems like, but it seems like he doesn't have a trajectory even still. Yeah. You know, there's no clear what's next for well, him.
0: No, right? he's gonna be in the Outsiders book. <laughs> uh, I
2: sorry. guess, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm an idiot. I forgot about that. Even though we've been predicting it for like <laughs> a year now. All right, well, I'm, I'm wrong about that one. But Castle Frankenstein—that
1: was dope. <laughs> that was cool, and it's it's nice having Hawkman folded into this since, um, you know, he's so instrumental in all the metal stuff and, uh, oh, Ominar Sin being like a Hawkman villain and everything. Um, this is still, you know, Zach nip right here um, <laughs> with all the Final Crisis stuff, but. Actually, no buts. Yeah, I like this. I'm I'm just a little sad that um, Nord is leaving the book.
0: I mean, that's New Age of Heroes for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, at least this in this case, he like has a book that he's going to. What is he going
0: to? Uh,
1: Wonder Woman. Oh when, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When G Willow Wilson takes yeah. over. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a little bummed about that.
0: That's fair. Yeah, th- this is fine. This is fun. I like this book. I uh I wish that it was going to be given more prominence than it will probably be given. Cuz this is this is fun stuff. But I don't have anything more to add. I think you guys did a fine job talking about it. Like Vince said, it's kind of hard to say new things about this book at this point. But it was fun bringing in the the Gotham characters and Hawkman if only because it does tether it to the DCU a little more. Mm-hmm. And that's the fact, Jack. All right. What do we got next week? Next week we have, uh, well, first of all, I, we should mention that DC is sending over the, um, the stories from the, uh, Walmart giants that are written by Tom King. And I forget who's doing the other one. The justice league one, uh, connor and Palmiotti, right
1: mm-hmm. i think Probably that's so. right
0: so we're getting those two stories uh we're getting the first issue of uh james robinson's uh detective comics we are getting catwoman Hawkman, uh, house of whispers for the same man universe michael cray plastic man red hood and the outlaws sideways uh superman supergirl the flash the finale of the immortal men titans wonderland my god there's a lot of books next week
1: that's a lot of books yeah
0: well until then you can find two-thirds of us on twitter i am at brian needs and i'm at woker fox i thought you were changing that to techno shower at techno shower
1: yeah, <laughs> I was only one of many who partook in the shower, So I've... it would be disingenuous uh, for me to claim that myself. Woo. Well, someone's got to fly the flag.
2: Man, I thought there was something going on between me and Brian tonight, but
1: uh... we're all heated.
0: He's not making a joke. We love each other. Oh
1: yeah. man, we are going to come to blows when we go to New York. We outside. really might, guys. The DC 3s days are numbered. It's we've all be been, we've been building security. to this and we're we're going to we're going to go to this and and three of us must yeah. die. Yep. We
2: we're we're going to we're going to recreate uh the breakup of the Beatles when we're when we're together or a different Beatle memory. Um one or the yeah, other.
1: We'll let you decide which one. And uh he was gron- gronking on his on his donker.
2: <laughs> He's 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 dunking his plunker.
1: But <laughs> dunkin. <laughs>
2: And then I look over and John's grunking on his plunker.
0: I was trying to think all day of the best Beatles songs to imagine are about jerking off. Uh come together <laughs> well, obviously
1: is the is the Yeah, uh, that was the that was the popular yeah. one. That was Norwegian Norwegian Norwegian, Wood. Norwegian Wood's good. Oh. That's that's nice.
2: I like to think Maxwell's Silver Hammer yeah. is Yeah.
1: So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um I don't know I what mean, else. You know, you you can
0: you can just with slight inversions. Why, many of them? Like, why don't we do it in the road?
1: Yeah, I was about to say that is, one. Uh, yeah, um.
2: I always thought everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. Is yeah, obviously. I always thought that
1: was about I'm a, a dick. So, but you know, who knows?
2: About a dick. That's my favorite that's uh, song.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey Bulldog. <laughs> yeah.
2: Hey Bulldog. Ooh, that's the kind of
0: winding. Chode. I mean. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Good night
1: Good everybody. Night. This mortal coil is just too much. <laughs>